0: Good morning. There it is. Hi. Welcome to a Ridgeview. Like I said, my name is Alex. You might not have heard that, but I'm, I'm the pastor uh, here, and we are on the last two weeks of a series called uh, Blindsided, and you'll see this image uh, on the screen there of, uh, uh, is that a woman? Man? Yeah, I don't know. It represents us. And, and that's how, how life uh, hits us. There's things that we all experience. Um, these are our circumstances. Uh, these are emotions, and they tend to hit us. And uh, they're common things that we've been looking at. But the thing that's common about them isn't just that we all experience in that, but we don't see them coming, hence this idea of being blindsided. And so over the last few weeks, we launched on Easter. We've been talking about these things that we all experience but don't see coming and how if we're not prepared for it or if we don't know how to pivot, we don't know how to react uh, it can really slow our progress in life, so today we're talking about something that I've experienced, but I haven't talked about much before, and it's this this feeling of irrelevance, feeling that you're not relevant to the people that you're relating to, or feeling that you may not you may not fit, you may not know how to relate to those that you encounter on a daily basis. But to kind of get to irrelevance, uh, that word itself. Uh, The definition is based on the definition of being relevant. So I want to focus on that definition first. Here is relevant. I thought this is kind of funny because I went totally old school. Speaking of being relevant, I went like 1820s dictionary right here. Uh, Sometimes, and this kind of makes me sound like I'm old, but they don't make dictionaries like they used to. And so 1828 uh, Webster's has actually a really good definition that's tied to the original Latin for which we get the word. And relevant actually means relieving, lending aid or support or sufficient to support the cause. The reason I like this definition is relevance actually speaks to the meaning that we all want in life. We want to add meaning, want to add value to our workplace, to the places we live and to our relationships. There's a sense of we want to add relief and support. We want our life to make a difference from us being here rather than than us not. And I think that that's something that we all long for. It's, it's this purpose. And that, that second part of the definition is very interesting. Sufficient to support the, the cause. You're, you're wired in a certain way, and God has put together in a certain way that you actually can add value where you are. And so irrelevance is when you feel like you're not adding value, or you're not making a difference, or you lack purpose. And I think that is one of the emotions that we experience but we don't talk about. We may not even know how to formalize those words, but this is something that, that we feel, this, this idea of like, I don't know if I'm I'm really adding value, if I'm really making a difference. And this can blindside us because it, it makes us feel uh, empty. Now, if you are a follower of Christ, if you've decided that Jesus is your, your boss and you want to follow him as he leads you forward in life, he's actually given you a mission uh, that you need to give your life to. And that's this mission found in Acts 20, this is written by uh, Luke, and it says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So there's a certain spiritual acts aspect to relevance as well, and that's to accomplish the mission that God has given to everyone who follows him. And you see that mission is to tell others about the good news of the grace of God. So if you're a Christian, relevance is not just how you fit personally, but how does God want to use you in the lives of others? Whether it's relating to your family, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, God actually wants to allow you to speak into those people's lives to tell them about the good news. So if you're a Christ follower, the idea of relevance is actually even relevant to, relevant to your, your mission that, that God has given you. But I want to spend a little bit of time. So if this is the mission as a Christ follower to tell others about him, and we're all looking for meaning, we're all looking for purpose bigger than ourselves, what's that that slide where where we don't experience that, where we kind of feel like we're we're not making a difference? And so I want to ask some questions and then spend some time exploring that a little bit. So the first question is, what does it mean when we become irrelevant? So in any organization or in any uh, relationship we have, when you become irrelevant, it means that the speed of change on the outside is faster than the speed of change on the inside. So if you're an organization, it means that you have not changed enough that you no longer are relevant to the culture that you're trying to do business with. So you're, you're not changing as a business. The world is changing and it passes you by. Uh, go ahead and show this this picture. How many of you remember this? This is, can you see that right there? What, what is that? Do you? How many of you remember going to Blockbuster, right? I don't know if you can read the headline. There's only one Blockbuster store left. Can you believe that? There's only one left, and it's it's in Oregon, and they're holding on for dear life. You know, we're we're going to hold this Blockbuster, and you can get any movie movie that you've ever wanted. But Blockbuster did not change, and businesses like Redbox changed with technology, and essentially. They're relevant to our culture. There's red boxes everywhere. There's only one blockbuster. Uh, You also see change happening in in the workplace. Uh, Here's like a normal office space. Like this is collaborating. Do you know 20 years ago, if you would try to collaborate in an office like this, people would shut you down. Get off my desk. Get your computer. What is that? I mean, these computers are hardly even there. Like everyone was in their own space doing their own thing. And now you have shared workspaces you have shared space you i mean you can't even put a notepad down to take a note here they don't even know what a notepad is but this is this is normal and so if you don't know how to change in the business environment then it's hard to be relevant uh, here here's a clip from the movie the internship just listen to some of the vocabulary of the people in this clip let's watch it Come on, guys, let's brainstorm this puppy. We're gonna put the coffee in the pot and we're gonna let it percolate. I think it'll be helpful to explore what apps have been most popular. Go, in the go past. backwards or go forwards. Oh, and we could bin it, you know? Fall out. Categorize needle movers by type of user. All right, guys, I don't wanna kill the momentum or the mojo that you have cooking, but. To be fair with you, needles and categories, they don't use apps. People use apps. So I have an idea. Nowadays, people are taking pictures, right? They have their phones now. They're out. Something catches their eye. They want to take it. But then the photo's just sitting there. What if they take that photo and instantaneously put it out there on the line and they share it with their friends? That's Instagram. It already exists. It's one of the most popular apps in the world. Facebook bought them for like a billion dollars. Oh, no, no, no. Mine is very different than that. How is there something very different than that? Because of mine, you're taking the photo instantaneously. You're putting the photo out there on the line. Is it online? Yeah, I'm putting my photos out on the line, and I'm creating an exchange. Yeah, that's Instagram. But mine's more of a social sharing on the line that's happening. Online. Quick interjection. When you keep saying on the line, you do mean online. Stuart, you don't do that to a man. He's got a million-dollar idea right here. Billion-dollar idea. Even better. Let him flow. Okay, that's all fine, but he's talking about something already invented. But they don't get it. It, it. it doesn't need to be online. It needs to be on the line. It's very, very different. And, and in this clip, it, the, the movie's very interesting, but it's kind of a clash of this idea of older people that are trying to make it in this young tech world and they're not quite sure what to do. And so in, in business, you see this, this idea of every business wants to be relevant and they're running from irrelevance because they, they obviously want to survive, they want to make money, they want to make a profit. But I think the stakes are even higher for us personally. In, in our own lives, and, and here's why. Because there's a few things that happen when we become irrelevant, and, and here's some thoughts. See if you can identify with these. Have you had these thoughts before? I don't fit. Have you ever thought that? Like, I, I just don't fit. I don't fit in with this group of people. I don't fit in this situation. Another part of that is I can't change. When you feel irrelevant, you just feel like you can't change, that you're stuck. The way you've always lived is the way you always will, and this idea of changing is difficult. Or the last one is I'm out of touch have you ever you, you ever felt like I'm out of touch and you just can't quite sync with with the world and so these these things actually hit us and this is where the the blind side because it's that that feeling of like I can't quite keep up and it could be with the trends but it's also just with relationships and and with people and it's not just the gap in age it also rep, uh, represents a gap in belonging like we we can't belong we, we don't fit uh we're not sure how we belong and And it leads to other things like this. What happens when we become irrelevant? So if we recognize this, here's a few things that happen. Uh, We pull back from others. uh, We become discouraged. And then we spend more time looking backward than than forward. And it's the idea of when we become irrelevant and we feel like we can't grow, we can't change, we can't relate, then we spend more time looking back at the, the way things used to be. And sometimes those are the good old days, or sometimes that's just what we were comfortable with. The way that we were raised, the way things used to be, and that's like comfort there. And so we just keep looking back. But as we're looking back, we're failing to to grow and we can't really make a difference in the world. And so to be irrelevant ultimately diminishes our influence. And this is kind of the main idea that I want to be working from. We all should have influence in our world. We all should. Now, God wants to use our influence to draw people to him and his ways. But if we we're irrelevant, then then we've got diminishing influence. And then the last question I want to look at is this. How do we become irrelevant? Nobody wants to end up here. Nobody wants to have this feeling of we don't fit in, we can't change, we can't grow, we can't speak into the lives of people. So how do we, how do we get to this point? I think the key is we no longer grow, and we no longer change. The easiest way to become irrelevant is to stay the same. This is true in every industry, and it's true in every relationship, and it's true in our life. We lose influence and we lose relevance as we don't grow and we don't change. So for the rest of our time, I want to talk about how does God help us to become, become these people who actually do grow and do change? and ultimately can have influence on those around us. So there's three ways that this happens, how to stay relevant. The first is be tethered to God's wisdom. If you want to be relevant, and it's actually maybe not how you think, it's not how you dress, it's not where you shop, it's not what you do. It's actually being tethered to God and his wisdom. If you try to tether yourself to change, always being able to stay up with it, uh, you, you feel like this, like an astronaut that's tethered. In outer space. This is what it feels like if you're just chasing change. You're you're just kind of floating. And you're not quite sure how you're going to make it because you're just in outer space trying to hold on for dear life. That's what it feels like when you base your relevance on staying up with all the changes. And even if you do, as soon as you stay relevant and you've tracked the change, it changes again. And so you can't tether to change. You have to tether yourself to something that doesn't change. And the person who doesn't change is God. But just because he doesn't change doesn't mean that he's not relevant. In fact, God is the most relevant that exists. And I'm going to explain why. And Romans 11 uh, speaks to that. It says this, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor. And then it goes on, says, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Could you go back to the previous verse 33 and 34 here describes who God is. And it's this idea that God is God and there is nobody that's like him. He is on the outside, meaning he's not human and he's not limited by our our limits. But just because he's on the outside, he's also close at hand. And the writer here is Paul, and he's describing that that God can be known, and you can leverage knowing him and get into some of the depths of, of who he is, his knowledge, his wisdom, his judgment, his ways are inscrutable. That there's just things that he does and the ways that he operates that is different than our, ourselves. His, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. That's what the Scriptures say. So there's a sense that, that there's no one like God. There's no one in a unique position like he is to actually give people exactly what they need. And this links back to the fact that no one has ever given anything to God. All the gifts have originated with him. He's the ultimate giver. And because he created us and because he gave us life, he has the meaning and he has the purpose that all of us are looking for. So what the writer is saying is if you want to know what you really need. And if you want to know what people really need, you need to tether to the one who holds the meaning and purpose in life in his hands. And the writer describes the fact that God can't be manipulated. And that's what he's saying, and no, no one's given a, a gift to him. There's no one that's kind of leveraging God, like, God, you know, do, do this to get me what I want. He's He's not manipulated. He can't, be influenced by people that are trying to get their own way. He's God and he's independent of us. But at the same time, he he cares. He has the best view. He knows the details of what we're facing. So the comfort here is as we look at the world around us and it's rapidly changing and as we look at the relationships that we once had and there's a sense of there's drift or we don't have that depth of personal relationships and the regret that we may have from that, you you can turn to God, and you can tether yourself to him, and from him, he can actually fill you with what you need. He gives you purpose, and he gives you meaning, but you have to tether yourself to him. Now, to stay tethered is the next point. Once you tap into him and his ways, what begins to happen is he changes your thinking, and that's what you need to change. You know, it's very hard to change if you always think the way you've always thought. Isn't that right? It's just very hard to change if we keep doing the same thing. And I am one of those people that I think, but this time, if I just do it somewhat different, but I'm still thinking the same, I'm doing everything the same, and therefore, nothing is changing. And that's how life is. We can't most of the time change because we're stuck in our ways of thinking. We're stuck in our ways of living. And so when you tether to God and his wisdom, you now have life outside of yourself. There's this tether, this life source that, that God gives you. And as you tap into his wisdom, you get a wisdom that you've not known before. And as you tap into that wisdom, it's timeless because it originates with God. And as you tap into that wisdom, it changes your thinking. And this is what Paul describes in the next verse uh, in the next chapter in Romans 12 too. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the world here is the first part of the command. Do not be conformed to the world. The world represents the practices and standards of a secular society. The world is... is The cultures, the peoples that exist that are operating independently of God. And so to be relevant doesn't mean that you need to look at the world and say, okay, if I want to be relevant, I need to do what everyone else does. Again, you're not going to change. You're just going to become like everyone else. What Paul is saying is no, the first step to being relevant is don't do what everyone else does because they're just stuck in their rut, they're just spinning their wheels. If you do what they do, you're just going to do the same thing. But instead, do not be conformed, but be transformed. And so when you tether to God in his wisdom, and you spend time with him, the most important thing that God wants to do is not give you information. Sometimes we approach God, and it's like a, this teacher, and we're like, okay, God, just start lecturing me. Just tell me all that I need to do. Give me more I need to learn, more that I need to put in practice, and we can just be beat up by all these things that we're not measuring up. But it, God's relationship to us is not informational. It's, it's transformational. He actually wants to change us from the inside out, and he wants to change us by us living and knowing his ways. And how do you live and know his ways? Well, you have to soak up the truth of the Bible. I believe, as I look at my own life and as I relate to my kids and I relate to other people, that we're all sponges. We're all soaking up things. And our minds and our hearts and our wills, we're always just taking things in. And we take it in in different ways. It could be social media. It can be movies. It can be music. It could be talk radio. It could be news, whatever it is. We live in a time because of change and because of technology, all great things, that have allowed us to get information faster, it also fills our sponger, sponger is not a word, sponge, quicker. Okay? We live in a time where our sponge, we're soaking it up faster than we ever have. Case in point, this, this is actually embarrassing, but I'm going to share it. Because you know it's good to be open and honest with others. That's one of our values here. Recently, I was listening to a song with my kids in the car, my boys specifically, and they'd never heard it before, and they they loved it, and we we keep listening to it, and I... It hit me that like, we we've soaked up this song, and as a dad, I didn't really do a good job of asking the question: Is this the thing that we need to soak up? And I'm not going to play it, but I'm going to attempt to sing it. And I just apologize before that. Okay, you guys ready for this? Red, red wine, stay close to me. You remember that song? Like it's got UB40. You know who wrote that? Actually, Neil Diamond back in 1968. But UB40 redid it. And, and my kids are like, can we play that? And we're like listening to it. Alexa, play Red, Red Wine. And we're just, Red, Red Wine, you make me feel so fine. Keep me rocking all of the, and just, we're just. And then my wife in her wisdom does what she normally does. She asks one of my sons, do you know what that song's about? And I think I just kind of slowly like. Man, why are you kids listen to that song? <laughs> no, you know, I started to realize, like, we have soaked this up. And it's like an anthem this past week. Let's listen to this song. And, and he's basically, the, the whole premise of the song is like, life, I cannot cope. I cannot face it. And what do I turn to? Red, red wine. Because it makes me feel so fine. It gets me rocking all of the time. And what I realized in that moment is we totally had soaked up that message. And we owned it. And we're singing it. And feeling it, and then all of a sudden you're like, ring it out, ring it out. That's not what we want to soak up. I'm just saying, that's just, that's what happens. And thing was, I even thought about the song today as I was preparing it, and I, it's still in my head. And I apologize, because it might be in yours, and you just, ah, just remind we're a sponge, ring it out. And so what I realized is, since that's so easy to do, Without thinking, and it's everywhere, and we soak it up everywhere, then we have to intentionally wring it out. We have to empty that things, and we have to fill it now with the right thinking. And to get the right thinking, you can't most of the time turn on your radio and find it. You can't go to school and find it. You can't go to your workplace and find it. You can't turn on a movie and find it. That's not the right thinking. In our media and in our culture, you find the struggles, and those are good so we can understand what people struggle with. But very rarely do you find the right solutions. And what people don't need is, they don't need a bunch of people talking about struggles. They, they need to know what am I supposed to do to overcome. And to know how to overcome, you need truth. You need the tether of wisdom that's timeless from God. And so I began thinking, if I'm ringing out songs like UB40, and I need to fill it with the right kinds of thinking, I thought in my own life, what are some things that God's thinking has allowed me to experience that's not of my own? And here's some things, and these are just broad strokes, but you know, my, my thinking of, of love, it's been transformed by who God is because God, he loves everyone. And because he, he loves everyone, then my thinking is I need to treat people with dignity and respect because God has made them and he's the father because he's made them. And so when I don't treat people with dignity and respect, I'm, I'm treating his children badly. And what dad likes his kids treated bad? Certainly not me. Certainly not our spiritual father. And then got me thinking about, well, if if that's true, then people really matter. People deeply matter. And as you read the Bible, you find that people even matter more than you think they do. Because the whole theme is God redeeming people. And then that got me thinking other things that have been transformed. The other idea, like, that we are all sinners. Why do we need to be redeemed? Because we're messed up. And we're sinners. And the thing that the Scripture showed me is it's not just some people are. It's everyone is. Everyone's messed up. And since we're all messed up, we all are in needs of God's grace. So then it also kind of transforms the way you think about yourself. Because it's easy to look at others and all the problems that they have and think what they should do. It's very difficult to look at yourself. And ask the same question. The Bible helps you do that. Another thing is my choices matter. You find that again and again in Scripture. God is God. And he can do what he wants. And he loves me. And he loves everyone that he's made. And at the same time, God is God and he's big. He's given me choices and my choices impact people. And not only do my choices impact people, he's going to hold me responsible for those choices And so my choices really do matter, and they make a difference. Another thing God's changed in my own thinking is that we can speak the truth in love to people. In fact, it's a command. As we speak the truth in love, what that means is people need the truth. And I believe the truth is found in the Scriptures, so people need the Scriptures. They need to hear it. They need to see it lived out in people. And they see it lived out in the people who follow him, Christians. And so, if they need the truth, they need to see the truth. That means I need to live the truth. For I me mean to live the truth it means I need to know the truth. And as I know it, I can speak it, but I always need to be speaking it in love. So, if I love without truth, then I'm no different. Because everyone says to love. All we need is love. That's another song that can get stuck in your head. Actually, they don't just need love, they, they need the truth of why that love matters. So it's all connected. So people need love, but they also need the truth. But if I give them the truth without love, it just penetrates. Actually, no, it deflects. It doesn't make any difference because I'm not giving them a reason for why that truth would make a difference because I have not loved them. All this originates in the scripture. This is the truth of who God is and how he's made us. Now, the culture, they have little pieces of that, but they don't have the whole picture it goes back to Romans 11, in him are the depths of the knowledge and of wisdom. In his ways, they're inscrutable. We can't even fathom how reality is put together by him. And so God wants us to think differently so we can live differently. And that, that goes to the third, third point. So we tether to him in his ways. We allow him to change our thinking. He changes our thinking as we spend time with him. And for me, The way that I spend time with God is I have to choose every day to wake up and decide, am I going to open the Bible and ask God to speak to me? Every day it's a choice. And there's some weeks where I let a few days go by, and I have not allowed God to really speak into my life through the Scriptures. What I'm doing is I'm tethering again. I'm in outer space, and I'm just operating on my own sense of things. I'm operating on what I've always done. And what I've always known, we do that without thinking. So to allow God to change our thinking means I spend time with him and I ask him to speak through the scriptures. And it transforms my mind. And as my mind's transformed, my life's transformed. Now, this last point is what happens when your life is transformed? Because your thinking is is transformed. And this is what I think happens. We can focus on living out God's character And his ways. Now, this is where the relevant part comes. If God transforms you and you can live differently, he wants you to bridge his character and his timeless ways into the lives of people. And I believe this is what everyone is looking for. Because God made them, he created them with this longing for meaning and longing for purpose. And when we live out God's ways, we're saying the purpose and the meaning. It's found in God through Jesus Christ. And if we can be a bridge that helps people connect to that, they're finally tapping in to the purpose for which they're made. They now can become relevant, and they've never felt that before. And so the change keeps us relevant. And this happens in Romans 12.1, just before the verse I just read. And it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So you can see the progression here. You tap into God who has a, the only unique position to speak in us because he's God. And he has character that we need to change and to grow. Again, and that's what keeps us relevant. And then as we tell it to him, he changes our thinking. And then in verse 1, we see ultimately what that happens we can offer ourselves as this living sacrifice. It's it's a changed life. We now live differently. And for me, what that means is my selfish desires, every day I wake up, my selfish desires are are at war with God's character and God's ways. Because ultimately, I want to do what I want to do. And I want what I want. And we're all like that. That goes back to the fact that we're messed up. We all want what we want. And if people get in our way, we don't want to hurt them, but we will because we want what we want. And we have our goals. And so every day we have this choice. Okay, there's my goals. There's my ways. Okay, God, I'm starting to read the scriptures, and you're giving me a different way. And now this is clashing with my own way. You're saying I need to to love, but I'm frustrated. And you're saying I need to be kind, but... I want to demand because they need to do what I need them to do. And so there's this clash. And so what Paul is saying is, is as God changes your mind, because you've tethered into his wisdom, you now offer yourselves, and and it's really this picture of you surrender. As God changes your thinking, when you offer your body as a living sacrifice, you, you surrender your ways. You say, God, okay, let me extend who you are to the people around me. So it's this idea of he changes you on the inside. And as he transforms you over time, who you are on the inside begins to translate into the life that you live on the outside. And so we become these people that bridge God's character and his grace to others. And what's really interesting about this this verse is is there's actually a definition of what worship is. And usually we think worship is you come and you sing. It's like, okay, we're going to worship. I wonder if I'm going to know the song. I wonder if I'm going to like the song. I wonder if people can hear me sing the song. Depending on how you sing, that's kind of nervous thinking. But worship is actually much bigger than singing. Worship defined here is a life surrendered to God. So every time we in that clash of our will and God's ways and his will, when we choose to go God's ways, it's like we have we just had a worship service. God was praised. Why? Because we chose to do it his way. God was praised. That's our spiritual act of worship. I sacrificed my ways to, to, do, to do his ways. And so, practically, this, this looks like extending some of his timeless ways. And so, I want to spend a little bit of time doing that, but before I do that, I want to just share a quote that Rick Warren said. Rick Warren's the the pastor of Saddleback Church, and he said this. He says, the only way to stay relevant is to be timeless. I think that's kind of counterintuitive, but that's in line with what I'm saying. Because if you try to be relevant by staying with the change, the change changes and you're no longer relevant. But if you... Hold on to what's timeless, and it doesn't change. You can always be relevant. And the way to do that is you anchor yourself to God. And his timeless character and ways always speaks in to the lives of people. 20 years ago, I was trying to learn how to walk with God. And I was trying to figure out how to walk with God and and help people and make a difference in my world. I was in college, and I was really trying to, to figure this out because I wanted to make a difference with my life. You know, when you're young and you got your future before you, you're thinking, I want to make my mark. I want to love people. I want to make this life count. And I talked to a mentor of mine and I said, how do, how do you do that? How do you do that when you're trying to relate to people who, from different backgrounds and different ages and different generations and different experiences, how do you help people when it feels like I can't even help myself? You ever felt that before? It's like, it's hard enough time for me to change. How can I even help people? And he said something that that's striking and it, and I, I hold on to this a lot. And he says, you know what? Everybody needs, no matter what their background is, no matter what their experience, no matter what their age, no matter where they grew up, where they're headed, where they are. Everybody wants to be loved and to experience something real. Everybody wants to be loved and to experience something real. And when he said that, it was like the, the light bulb went went off. And what I realized is, is he, he he's saying again is, People want this sense that God has made them for a reason. They may not have been looking to God. They may not have been asking that question, but they're they're trying to figure out, why am I here? And the most meaning that we can find in this life is to actually be loved by somebody. But not just by anybody who can fall in and out of love with us, but that they actually long to be loved by God, even though they may not know it. Because God is love. It originated with him. It did not come into existence as people just got together and said, what is this thing? I think that's love. No, God is love. It originated with him. That's his character. And then to be real, it's the something that that there's an experience that I can have that speaks to reality that makes sense out of things. And the way for you to make sense out of things is God. Because again, he has all the wisdom and all the knowledge and all the richness of life. Because he's the creator. He made it. He knows every ins and out of the human experience and how to make the most of it. And so to be timeless means tap into God and his his ways. And so some of his character and some of his ways is, is God is is loving. And so if you want to be relevant to people, love them. You know what I'm saying? If you want to have influence in the lives of people, love them. What's a practical definition of love? Well, put their interests and their goals above yours. If you want somebody to look at you and say, like, I, I could let them talk to me. I I could relate to them. As you're in lunch, in line for lunch, you you let them go in front of you. That's one of the hardest things you can do, especially if you were there first. But just try that. Get in line for something and look at the person behind you and say, hey, go in front of me. They're going to be like, no, there's something. He's, he's conning me. That's actually love. It's a It's like this idea of I'm in front. I'll put you in front. You See that in the line, but but it's in the little things as we relate to our spouses, to our kids. And it's connected to another timeless character, and it's kind. This originated with God. He's kind to us. And kindness is, is actually showing interest. If you want to be relevant to people, show interest in them. One of the things that's hard when you get older is relating even to your kids, and you can become irrelevant with your kids, because they look at you and you're like, "Dad, mom, you don't what do you you don't get this? You don't get my world." But if you, you want to speak into them, show kindness and show interest, ask questions, find out what's going on in their world. Try to learn more of what they're facing. So you, you can extend love and you can extend kindness. And that grows your influence with people. Another way to kind of bridge God's character in ways is to be faithful. And faithful is this idea of I'm going to do what I've said I'm going to do. If you want influence in the lives of people, do what you say. I think this is a lost character in so many relationships because it's so easy to talk about it, but it's very hard to do it, whatever it is. It's very easy to choose laziness over diligence. But If you could be a faithful person, you'll have influence. And that's God. God is faithful. God is kind, and he's loving, and it's timeless. It originated with him. And the last is is wise, and we saw that in Romans 11. This is, again, back to everybody wants something that's real. Wisdom is helping people align their life with how it really works with reality. So one of the ways that you can insert God's timeless character in ways is is you let him change your thinking and you actually grow in wisdom as you apply it to your life. The way to grow in wisdom isn't information, it's that transformation. So the minute that you choose to live his way in the action that you take, you've grown in wisdom. You have understanding. And this develops over time. This isn't just a quick fix. You can't get an app for that like loving app, you know, actually don't look that up. There might be apps for that, but it's not instant. You can't get God's character just by snapping your fingers. You have to tether to him. You have to let him change your thinking. And then his love, his kindness, his faithfulness, his wisdom comes through. I just want to share as I I close out, um, my grandma, I think we have this pick up here. My grandma is 94 years old. And she texts me. Can you believe that? She's 94. And she texts me. This is actually the Monday after our grand opening of the church. She says, so glad you had an encouraging opening service, Alex, dear. You can count on my continuing prayers, lots of loves and hugs. And I'm, I'm even, pre- She she's doing emoticons. Like, can you believe that? That's a little smiley face, a little hug, whatever that is, you know? And then you know even ups like the hugs and what is that is that kisses hugs and kisses right And like that's that's a lot of that's a lot of love right there just And then I didn't even respond And then a few days later again just reminding me she has influence in my life because of the decisions that she's made she walks with God she has for many 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 years and I have a lot of respect for her but she's shown kindness to me and love to me by texting. She showed an interest, and then she's done it in a way that speaks to me. So what I'm saying is it is important to know culture. And part of kindness is communicate the way people want to. If, if people text with you, text them. If you're older, learn how to do that. You can even speak into text, and it will get it right like half the time, but you can do that. But if you're relating to somebody older that doesn't text, call them. When we live in this text world, you think calling, like, what? I No, I, I, have, to, I have to say it in the moment. Yeah, that's called calling. That's actually called the conversation. But even that is, is showing love and kindness. So there's times when you, you do and you take that, that work so you can speak into the lives of people. So I look at my grandma, like 94, and she does that. I hope God has worked inside me enough that I'm willing to to change and adapt so I can speak into people like she does. And that's the kind of people that God wants us to be. So so in summary, many times we're asking the question, I don't fit, I don't belong. I want to have meaning, I want to have purpose. And we just look at ourselves, we look at everyone around us, what you need to do is you need to look to God and you need to tether to him. And the way that you tether to him is you decide to follow him. And as you tether to him, he will change your thinking as you soak up his word. And You have to wring out the thoughts you have that are not right, to wring out the ways that you live that are not right, and then he transforms you over time. And as he transforms you over time, he changes your thinking. And you live as a different person. He bridges who he is. That's, you know, transforming you on the inside to the lives of others. And as his ways are bridging to the lives of others, he gets gives you influence that you've never had. And that's what God does. So I want to pray and I'm going to invite Joel up and the band up. We're going to walk through some next steps, but I'm going to just pray. And I'm just ask God to help us with this. So So pray with me. Father, thank you so much for the, the fact that you are the God that created reality. You're the God that has made us. You're the God that has all the wisdom and you have the love and the faithfulness that, that we need. And you've actually allowed us to tap into it because you've not created and then abandoned. You've created and you've drawn near. And so right now, you are near us. You're with us, and you're for us. God, I pray for anyone here that's just feeling that they're out of touch, that they've lost impact. They're not sure their purpose. They're they're not sure their meaning. Help them to be filled with the knowledge that you love them. You care for them. And you long for them to be anchored to you. So God, as we make choices this week, Help us to carve out time to soak up your word and to wring out the things in us that don't reflect who you are. God, I pray right now, this week, you'll give us a chance to bridge your love and your faithfulness and your wisdom into the lives of other people. Whether it's a place that we go, a coffee shop where we can meet somebody or our family, our loved one, our neighbor, give us a chance to bridge your timeless character and ways into the lives of others. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.